Are you listening? weird how life's little nuances you know you mentioned that gentleman that his episode just dropped this week but um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that like you can you can be hyper focused on things and maybe you do get to a version of your goal that you laid out when you first started some do some are lucky um but a lot of things kind of fall to the wayside and other things you know take a hit you know like you don't get as much time with your kids or you don't get to go to every soccer game or something like that, but there's it hurts. To there's do a weird like, like that. Yep. flow of life, um, and oftentimes you you feel it years later, and you go, "Holy shit! I didn't I didn't have a plan. I didn't expect that to happen." And all of a sudden, we're here. That's right, and we're enjoying the fruits, so to speak, of our labor. And you know. Um, whether you're a God-fearing man or not, you know, some people attest it to, to that or having some, some higher power. Some people are, you know, riding the waves with as best style as they can, right. you know, but That's it's, right. it's very interesting. And, and I don't think that anybody can ever not tip a hat to something is kind of in the ebbs and flows of life, especially when you don't have control over situations of getting fired at times. Yep. You know, you could have, been a yes I probably man could have kept that, that job but at the end of the day. But I didn't at the end want of the day, to throw the cards in the air and you go, let's see how they land. Let's, yep. let's figure this out. I mean, Carrie said it really great. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you can die. Yeah. And, 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 very, and, and then we're going to try to die safe. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is you die, yeah. but the, the, the constant commonality is you have to look back at that journey and realize that you didn't always have control over which way you were going left or right or up or down or back or forward, but something, whether it was your work ethic or stroke of luck or practicing and continually getting up and going, something was kind of, you know, guiding you to wherever you're going in life. Yeah, And hopefully the few of us got to enjoy that journey. Yep. We because, label it as good or bad sometimes, and we have no idea if it is good or bad. Like if we judge it as such, it comes yeah. back to that rewriting the story. You always can rewrite a story. Yeah. It's good or bad at that moment. It, yeah, and you at never know if moment. it's really going to be. I mean, I always give a good example of like, if, you know, I, if I'm invited to go to a uh, baby shower and um, <laughs> um and John and Jill Huntsworth, they uh, or Huntswell, they tell me, hey, come to our baby shower. And they do the whole reveal. And, hey, we're going to have a boy. It's going to be great. And we're going to name it Michael. And I'm the guy who's like all about positive mindset. But then I go, are you out of your mind? You're going to name your kid Michael? Your last name's Huntswell. So he's going to walk up and be like, hi, Mike Huntswell. How are you doing? <laughs> like, are you out of your mind? So that's a negative thing to bring up. But who's the better friend? The friend who's like, oh, yeah, it's great. I love everything you're doing. Or the one who's like. Hey, wait a minute. Have you thought about this? It's yeah. kind of messed up that you would think that. So for me, it all comes back to like, is that positive or is that really the best friend you had? And it all depends on it. You can write those stories however you want. Hey, you're Mr. Negative. But the reality is, is yeah, you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to look at life in that open-ended way because you don't really ever know what's 
actually good or bad. And if you judge it as such, then it becomes such. Like yeah. if you, you know, they, um, Eric was talking about la- naming as dragons. And I think that's so crucial because it, you know, there's so many things in life that can come about that if you don't recognize what they are, they'll keep recurring. So that's why it's so important for me to do that daily mindset training because you can get so far off. 2021, I had 7-Eleven inspections. It was one of the worst years of my life recently. Yeah. I mean, I I lost relationships with realtors because I was frustrated. I, I, I get, you know, didn't see my kids. You know, it's not about the money. It yeah. really isn't. Yeah. Like at some point you go, why? You know, that was a a great financial year, but at the end of the day, like I, it cost me more than money can replace. And, um, you know, gosh, so many things that I would, that I want to talk about and go into. And I know I, I just end up going and off on tangents, but it's like, not everything is the way you think it is. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one example that I wanted to talk about is like, you know, um, you as, believe, you believe in bad energy. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, they're... so the, the concept of, you know, you're talking about, like, it's nothing is good or bad, but, and I, I agree with that. It's it's only a perspective at that moment in time, and you can always change the past. We can't change the past. You, you, you can allow the past to affect you negatively or positively moving forward, and hopefully you learn from it. But flipping that on its ear, I wholeheartedly believe in bad energy. Well, for sure. And, and honestly, that's, it's something that you should learn to appreciate, to be honest with you, like... You, the good energy, so? the good energy doesn't exist if there wasn't bad energy. Oh yeah, there has so to be. So I, I, I think of things like this: like if all of the world is a is a balloon, mm-hmm. and all of the human facets of what makes humanity, we're all in this balloon. And so I'll give it in the context of like Christianity. Yeah, Christians, I think, miss the mark so hard because they always think that. We need to, it's actually called non-resistance by force. Uh, Leo Tolstoy talks about how as Christians, we should be non-resisting evil. So what we as Christians end up doing if uh, is that we have all that balloon and we want to push on that balloon to try to force society to be a certain way because we want to be a Christian nation or whatever it is, right? Sure. When you push on that balloon, you're pushing air here and you're just expelling an equal amount the other way. So really what you're creating is is opposition. You give credence to the opposition when you admit that it is. Whereas in reality, like as Christians, we should just be living a good Christian life and not trying to legislate morality. Um, what, Jesus lives a great example of life. By living his example, where in the Bible did Jesus ever go to the magistrates or the people in power and say, I demand that we as a nation follow these morality rules? In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus would say, you need to give to Caesars what's his and the kingdom of God is within you, as Leo Tolstoy would say, period. It's not sharing. I mean, we're supposed to proselytize. You're like, you can, you can share the message of God, but it's really about living the example that makes humanity work and go, hey, that actually is cool. But now, as opposed to we're forcing the balloon down, we're trying to legislate morality, we're trying to impose our morality onto others, and really that just creates tribalism, and that's why all Christians fail at it and have created more hatred towards Christianity than what it's supposed to be, which is homogenizing humanity and showing love for each other. And just living a good example, period. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, e- even if a person's not 
you know, God fearing or not, not a Christian or whatever religious, you know, whatever religion that they I hate follow or, or, or want to, you know, align themselves with. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, like people have a choice. Their past may be horrible. Yep. They, they may have grown up in a horrific home or situation or something has just happened to them. And they're down on their luck. But like you just, you at least, I feel like you at least have to try, like actually try to be a good person. And daily, you're, you're good. You got to always you're, remind yourself you're, constantly. You're, you're acting good or you're being good is not the same as your neighbor's being good. That's right. My, my good is not the same as your good, That's Cody. exactly right. You know, but I'm the, the bottom line is you have to just try. That's right. You know what I mean? Even if the lady at the gas station you go to every single morning to get your freaking Zen peppermint, right? If she's a jerk, still say hello. That's right. And every once in a while, every once in a while, she'll laugh at some stupid joke you made. Yep. And that and might make her day. And you'll like, see that tense of humanity and yeah, you'll see the beauty yeah. in someone that you, you had to stand for. And you're like, everyone's beautiful. Everyone has an opportunity yeah. to shine and, and learn from. And it goes back to that same thing we were talking about earlier, which is that, you know, everyone has eminent value and can and can have a story that's meaningful. And like you can lose opportunities just by your base judgments that you default go by. And like you just, you know, you never know what someone else is going through. You never know what their story is. You only see those little pieces. And it's like there's so much bigger and brighter and we're far more alike than we are different. And this tribal mentality of like politics and religion. Mm -hmm. There's always that saying of, oh, you know, you shouldn't talk about politics and religion. It's rude. And don't you think it's ironic that the two most fucked up things in our human condition are politics and religion? Yeah. Why well, can't we learn to talk about those things without it being like a submissive, like I'm trying to subjugate you and persuade you to think like sure. I do. Get rid of all that. Yeah. It's about uh, persuasion. Our Aristotelian uh, idea of persuasion is so outdated. It's absurd that we still go about our daily routines. And I blame politics and the media for this is like, it's drama is a, is something that sells. So for advertising sake, yeah. that's really why we're in the position we're in is because of the sake of advertisers. Sure. And they want to sell the most dramatic diametrically opposing views. And then I, as a, a layman that goes through the day, you start to believe that these are the views and they're really the extremes that very few people actually believe. And yet here we are, pissing for distance with everyone yeah. in this tribal mentality when in reality we're far more alike than we're different. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that, yeah. I mean, I, I, there was a comment the other day. It was kind of buried in something. Um, it still lives out there, but it was uh, kind of talking about, about something of, of like, Oh yeah, you just, you just, you know, I, I won't say exactly this, but it basically was like, you just are, believing what your guest is saying and you're just kind of letting him just sort of trot on the horse. And I was like, here's a deal. Like, if you think that I believe exactly as every single guest across the table is right. like my, my job in this, in this conversation is to just be like, Hey, let you tell your story. Let's talk about it. But it's not my job to sit here and argue or debate That's or right. something, right? That there's plenty of that shit. And That's why? Not what and, and what about. is that going to do anyway? Exactly. You'll know, yeah. you're, all, like I was saying before, you're just going to push. You're just yeah. validating my opposition and sure. pushing on yeah. that balloon. All you're doing in that argument is just giving me credence yeah. that my opposition exists because of your, because they're different. They, yeah. We wouldn't even be talking about it if there was only one way to to look at something. So, the fact that your view exists makes mine viable. Yeah. Yeah. So I love my haters. I love the distractors. Like I love the people that argue because that's an opportunity to learn. Like 
in college, one of the best classes I ever took, and I actually hated it at the time, but was argumentation. And what they would, it was a debate class. And they would give you a topic and your job was to argue side A and then tomorrow, guess what you get to do? Yeah. Now you get to argue yep. side B yep. and see how effective you are. And you know what that does is it, it, it solidifies what you actually believe versus what you think you believe. How many people grow up as, again, Christians, let's say, or you name anything, and they're like, yeah, I believe this certain thing about life. Yeah. Why, though? Have you ever really sat down and confronted it, or is it just something you were sold and it's a story you've told yourself for yeah. so long that you don't even know? Like, you could rewrite that story, you don't mm -hmm. even know. Yeah. I heard an interesting quote the other day. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was from, but it was uh, – was a concept between like knowing and believing, right? That's and it right. Was, it was it was very interesting. I actually talked to my friends this weekend about it. We were, we were all playing music. I was like, "You guys ever thought about this?" And uh, but basically, what it was was this it was this person, and they were talking to the other person, and they were like, "You know, what do you know about yourself?" And by the the person across the table trying to be polite and kind of more of a societal type element, right? Like, I, well, I, his answer was. You know, she's like, what do you know about yourself? And he's like, well, you know, I, I, I believe I'm a man. I, you know, I, I, I believe I'm a white guy. And she's like, no, no, you, you know that you're a man. You know that you're a white guy. And she was like, you, you do understand the concept that like what you believe in, you can't know. Like you, you, you can, there's no physical way yeah. to have actual, true, definitive That's right. texture of knowledge. There's a little of truth and everything you know, and a little and of so, falsity and everything. Like you can't know anything. But it was interesting because her, right. her concept to ask him is like, so you believe in religion or you believe that one day you will have X or, or something, but you cannot know what you believe in. Yep. And this gentleman was like, in, in the, cause it, it was, it wasn't like a Christian based conversation, but he was like, well, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's the constant concept of, well, I, I, I know God. I have a relationship with God. You you do in your own in your own right, right? right? But you have never actually touched. That's right. And so from a from a physical human stance, that you word, really the know. words are we we don't have a word to describe the that form like how how certain people feel like yep. you know if they're religious they they feel like they have an actual true connection. Their belief is more than just believing. It's 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 knowing, but Knowing is not the right word well, because yeah. if you have knowledge of it, then you've you've felt you've felt it, right? Einstein says it like this: He'll say that the minute at which you think you know something is the moment at which you cease learning anything yeah. new about it. So yeah. you can think that. I mean, do we still have people that believe that the Earth is flat, right? <laughs> yeah. I sorry. mean, I shouldn't laugh. I sorry. mean, but I mean, <laughs> and, and then we used to think that gravity. Or, there's all these things that we thought we knew and yeah. then we improved that we don't know. And then if you can look into the future and go, we think we have that nailed down, mm -hmm. we're probably wrong about that too. And we won't learn anything new about it if we assume that, yep, we've got that nailed yeah. down. You'll never learn that's, anything That's what's new. going on crazy like with archaeologists right now is like they're, they're finding certain things. I don't know if, if it's through like carbon dating or whatever, but they're, they're saying that like the – the the human as we know it, right? Whether it's through Neanderthals or what, the the human characteristic is much older than we had originally perceived it. But yep. you've got this like the vein of people who discovered what we know as historical now. Yep. They're in such opposition of this new theory. It's That's like, right. hey, you know what? Like, 
when I started painting as a three-year-old, I could only paint so much. I only had so many tools. I only had so much knowledge. It's like, if, if you look at the evolution of electronics, yeah. it's always going to evolve. Why should knowledge not also yeah. evolve? That's right. We've gained new tools. We've gained new theories. And why Anyone would those people not embrace it? I'm yeah, like, it's like, like, hey, here, here's the sliver. This is what we thought to, to be true. Um, but okay, well, this is awesome. And now it's like open and honest communication, right? Go back to it. It's like, yeah. all right, well, let's expand upon what we thought. You would think that people would be, but you know what? They they have defined this thing and, and maybe they received like public praise for it. But in their mind, it's like if they admit that they didn't have it 100% right then, then they failed. It's like, well, no, you didn't fail. You did the best you could at your time in that moment. Yep. You, 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 you defined what you thought was 100% truth. And we're just finding new knowledge. That's right. 30 years later, and we're growing and we're expanding. That's the human brain. That's what it yeah. should be doing. I never get too married to any idea because you just never know. Yeah. I mean, you can have morals and you can have, you can, in my mind, you can be a good person, yeah. right? But to that, that was, sorry, loosely going back to that comment. I enjoy sitting across this table so much with people because every once in a while there's like a sliver mm -hmm. that gets said and it, it like, you know, I used I, normally I have the scratch pad, but the scratch pad started distracting me. Yeah, I did because I was pad too, I was I waiting. Want, I, haven't even I was waiting. I'm like, okay, say something cool. Say something cool, Cody. Let me write it down. I'm going to research it later. But I get such joy out of this because I, I'm not here to oppose a person. I'm here to learn. Yeah, from that person. That's why I wanted to be. Even on if it's it. not I like being it. a knowledge, like if it's not like a bullet point, a knowledge point. So what? I'm learning who you are. Yep. And the thing of it is, is like, I'm going to sit here. Like right now we're an hour and a half into this and we're still going, right? Let's yeah. say we talk for three hours today. I told you I could talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say we talk for three hours today. Yeah. I bet you that in that three hours, I learn more about who you are. Yeah. And maybe it's in just in general terms, but I get a better understanding than if you had done 50 inspections for that's me. That's right. That's why I want to do this because so I, that's, that's where, that's I want where people like, to really know what makes me tick. I think there's so much value to that, and we lose yeah. sight of it. I mean, communication, we are all on so, uh, social media, and we think, oh, you know, we know each other, but there's that 737-55 rule, which is essentially a communication rule that states that only 7% of meaning, that my words that I want to make you understand is received in the way in which I sent it. Mm -hmm. So only 7% of that accounts for the actual words that you use. So you can imagine that in social media conversations, despite the visuals and the audio and the pitch and the tone and the context, you only have at best 7% of what that person meant. So you can imagine the comment sections are usually, yeah. they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Just like about. yesterday. I don't know if we talked about it they before a show or off show, but he's like, that guy was like, they have no this guy clue. just talked for a whole minute and said nothing. I was like, he meant, he said nothing and, to and you. And I would argue that you don't even know yourself as well as you think you do, because there was a, somewhere I was hearing recently about a professor who asked a class of students, like, how many of you would torture somebody? And not one person raised up their hand. Of course, yeah. you know, woke society. Who's gonna fucking stick out and be like, "Oh yeah, I loved it. I'm Jeffrey Dahmer here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm um, just out here torturing. Of course they don't. But then he and 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 quite frankly, not to to be overly callous about it, I'm not gonna torture anybody. But then the second question is, okay, so now these men break into your home mm -hmm. and they steal your daughter, and she's somewhere else now, about to be raped and tortured and killed. And the only way in which you can figure out how she's where she is is by torturing the shit out of the only person that you happen to catch. You change the environment. So now all of a sudden, you bet your ass you're going to torture somebody. So you don't even know yourself. Like mm -hmm. if you set these parameters and say, 
I'm going to write this story and say, I am this. You'll never, ever grow. Yeah. Your environment shapes you. You'll it's, never it's, get better. Yeah. And the, and the other thing too, like that, that's a really interesting concept because I've, I've got a, I've got a really dear friend, um, beautiful, beautiful soul. He's a drummer in our band. I love him to death. He and his wife are getting ready to have their first baby. And, you know, we, we, we write music remotely and it takes us about a year to write an album, right? Cause we are, uh, sorry, a song. Yeah. Right? Cause we share files and we meet up once, twice a year, maybe, you know, we've got a weekend to kind of cram in all this stuff. And so his, his wife is due to have the baby in April. And so I, I tell him, I'm like, you know, let's just, let's just get these two songs done and just call it good. It is what it is. We've got four to release and you'll probably, we'll probably meet up maybe in like a year. And he's like, what do you mean a year? I'm like, well, dude, you're about to have a baby, right? And he's like, ah, it'll, you know, be fine. And I'm like, all right, man, you don't I, know I, what you don't know yet, homie. So the, <laughs> it, it was interesting because, you know, I was like, all right, look, I'll let you be the deciding factor when you actually have that child. Mm-hmm. But the thing that we did talk about, which is, is so crazy because, you know, I, I said it when we first started, I, you know, and I, and I really don't want to go into detail on it, but I, I had a, a change recently within my the relationships within my personal family, not my wife and children, but just an immediate family a change. And um, it brought up the conversation this weekend about like conditional love. And like, it's, it's a tough one. This is where, I lost where my brother I think mental a lot of times, it's a tough one. You know, like Instagram and Facebook and all these other, these phones, these devices in our pocket are constantly listening. Cause like, then you get back on, <laughs> You know, to look at more than you know, and then shing, shing, <laughs> shing there. It's like all of a sudden you hear all these conversations about conditional love, but yeah. it it brought about this spiral nonetheless. And I did hear this concept of like, you know, when you when you when you're born, you, you know, your 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 mother and father, whether you had a good upbringing or not, it doesn't matter. Yep. The love for them, the love that you have for them, and the love that they have for you, they're they're. It's not a unilateral direction, right? It's one direction mm-hmm. and they may have conditional love for you or unconditional love. I'm sorry. But when, when you have a child, mm. you're, you're, you may, you may have these friends that you love in the world yeah. that you would at that moment, you would do anything for them because that, that is your family. Yeah. That's your, sometimes, oftentimes our friends, especially the ones that we make in college or in high school, yep. they're our friends for a lifetime yep. and we love them. We've built these bonds. We've shared these stories, Ride or die, do anything you know, for and you have love for them. But once you have a child, mm. you realize, and anybody who's listening that has a child, they yeah. understand that that becomes You hear about it before you have a kid, love. but yes. you don't experience it until you have one. And yeah. it is. And it, it changes. You can't it's, even compare yeah. hardly the two. Yeah. And so it's these recent changes that happened within my immediate family. And then this weekend talking to a friend of mine, I'm like, look, here's the deal. I know what you're going to go through and you're going to experience that. Yeah. If you're in the hospital and that first cry of the baby as they're born, like hopefully everything is happy and healthy. Right. But I was like, I know personally, like, especially like with my daughter, when my son was born, it was the same way, but my daughter came out, she wasn't still born, but she was blue and she wasn't crying. Mm. And they took her away, Ugh. not out of the room, but they the turned, anxiety just, just you know, away. It. And it was yeah. like, my heart sank. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. And, um, you know, this, the lady that was the birthing, she, she lives here in town. I've known her for a year. Uh, her name is Kate Largen. And I'm not afraid to say that she's a beautiful person. And she had delivered hundreds and hundreds of babies and she did whatever she had to do. And I'm watching them from me to you. And I'm watching and I'm fucking bawling. I'm like, just out of like, 
what, mm. what am I? And every, the worst like time slows down and you're just all the worst thoughts. Like what, what, Oh my God, what do I do? And as a human, you can't fathom what a loss would be like in that moment in time. It's just like, okay, this isn't normal. We're supposed to have a baby. We're, we're she's supposed to come out day. breathing. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, the first cry. And I thought I was crying before. Right now I'm crying. And Kate turns around, <laughs> boom, baby in the arms. And I'm, uh, I'm like, and her color's just coming just back. There's nothing that you know? can compare to that yeah. moment. And so that unconditional love that people have is, um, it's, it's so profound, but what I've started to realize it, it, it is, and, and this is only because of the recent events, is that it is one direction. I know that as a parent, I have unconditional love for my children. Yep. And my wife has unconditional love for them. I'm trying to do everything I can as an adult, as a father, as a human being, to make sure that that love is reciprocal. But I know that at some point in time in their lives, if they have a child, that that love that does bounce back every once in a while and they get angry with you because you take the iPad away or whatever, right. if they have a child, it will change. Yeah. And then that direction see then what your will go did for you. yep. that way. And, yep. and I will still be in their lives to help help them because they, they will need you to still foster them no matter how old they are. But it's, it's as of late, I've really been thinking about that and that unconditional love is not unidirectional. That's, yep. If you do the best you can, your, your kids will always love you and they'll always seek advice from you no matter their age. But I do know and I'm, a, I'm aware that at some point in my children's life that that, that love, they will build their unconditional That's right. path. Well, and they have to, they have to separate themselves as they get older in order to have an individuality. Yeah. So, the, you know, you, we were talking about your kids the other day. Uh, about seven years old, yeah, something like that. Uh, I've got a, a 13 and 15 now. And about two weeks ago, they were that age, seven years old. And yeah. It's amazing how you, through each stage, you, you're like, oh, I can't wait until they can talk to me and be out of diapers. And then when they're talking to you and out of diapers, you're like, oh, that person doesn't exist anymore. And now I just so sad for, I, they, they're not, like, I miss those days. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then they now are getting to a point where they're becoming young ladies and getting very individualistic. And the part of the nature of what they have to do in order to survive and become themselves is to separate themselves from their parents a little bit sure, and have that coming of age. Yeah. Um, and so I'm at that position now where they're starting to detach and I desperately don't want them to, but I know for their best interest I have to encourage that so that they can become independent, strong women that won't be swayed by the storms of life and can know that they can handle anything that comes at them. Yeah. And so as a parent, that's my biggest challenge is trying to not, because of that incredible love, protect them from everything that can make them who they are. Because I know that through parts of what we've insinuated in this conversation is that the reality is, is that a lot of the best growth happens through the fire. And that's how you walk through that fire is what makes a good life or a bad life. And there will be fire. Yeah. yeah. No one gets out of this alive and no one gets an easy street. In fact, easy street's probably the hardest living there is. Sure. Because it's complacency. It's, it's never growing. It's when I'm doing 711 inspections, I'm not focused on my health like I am this year. I've lost 20 pounds since Thanksgiving. I will never go back to the fat slob that I was. I, I, I mean, I, through hard year like this, 
I've experienced more personal growth. Shit, just in the last 48 hours preparing for this, I've experienced more personal growth than all of 2021 when I did mm. 711 inspections. Yeah. Well, it was brutal. I, and I, I don't want to go back to the, the real estate thing, but you know what? I, don't I, either. I think that Todd, Todd Seeger. Um, monster in the industry. Monster in the industry. Great person. Very has good built person. Probably one of the best books of business in our, in our industry. He's, a, he's he, rad. He did that interview with the Herald in the height of 2021 when it was just getting crazy. And he's, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically the way he said it, it was like, look, the money, the money is great. Like it's great selling this many transactions, but like, I can't go camping. If I list a house right. on Friday or Thursday, yep. I, all of a sudden, and I had plans. Yep. I can't go camping. It's a 24 by 7 job you yeah. guys sign and up so for. It's, it's just, it's that's why like, I answer my phone all the time. Yeah. If you're working, so am I, but I'm sorry. No, no, no. But that's that, it. That's, but a, that's the thing a challenge is like, of this industry. But a lot of big, heavy hitters, yep. they also started to experience burnout. Yes. And it was like. Boundaries, baby. All they of a sudden, life, life got out of hand. And, you, and, and Justin said it on the podcast when he was, he was like, I was like, what's next? He's like, man, I, I'm going to spend. In time. That's right. I'm gonna, I, his kids are. That say, kicked me in the gut too. You know, I, like, I was like, holy crap, I did the, I'm in that same boat. Like uh, coming after a year, coming off after a year like we had or several years like we've had, it was like, I don't know if I could do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to. I, if I'm, you know, it's, it's such a juxtaposition of like, you know, you can be so, you know, there's people out there right now listening to this that are probably not making a lot of money and are like, you you know, assholes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, know, have, you I, have the option of saying, oh, I want to take this year and treat yeah. myself better. You know, like I, yeah. I, I, I have very much gratitude for every single person that refers me or every client that hires me. And that's why I have, I can't say no. Like those boundaries are tough for me because it's that dichotomy of like, I want to serve. I do. Yeah. And I want to do well. Everyone does. But at some point, like if, again, it's chasing money, it's just the opposite theory. If all you're focused on is that, everything else goes out of balance. Yeah. And there's so much more to a person than just making money. I mean, I'm a spiritual, I'm a um, uh, emotional, I'm a, a father, I'm a, you know, a brother, a lover, a son. I'm, I'm, a, I'm so many things other than just a moneymaker. Yeah. And yet as men, that is very much something that we have a challenge with it. That's, Hey, we're providers, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if it, uh, those of us that aren't, I'm not talking about you cause stand up and be a man, son. But at the end of the day, like that can, you could always go too far. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's hard for a lot of people, you know, at least, you know, the people that I talk to and, and you know, like associates with like, right. Yeah. You know, real, I mean, you, just, you, you kind of right. just, you kind of just levitate or, or gravitate towards somebody who's like-minded, likes to work a lot, like it's a hustle. You know, I, yep. I think I, I, I made a joke, I think to carry off air, it's like, I'm an addict by trade, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. I, I love this job. I'm addicted to my work, same. but same as I'm you, all in. this, all this year, you know, I got burnout last year, yeah, you know, like too. I've only been in the industry for, like I said, for two years, but like I, I did 46 transactions. That's a shit ton of transactions, Yep. you know, and, and I got so burnt out in December that I was like, I need to check out for two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's real. It's and a then, thing. But then it's you no get joke. panic mode where you're like, oh, shit, I haven't done anything in January. I didn't do well, anything yeah. in February. But 
in that time frame, like you, it's like I started kind of like self-reflecting, like I am a fat piece of shit. What yeah, am I doing? I was too. So it's like get back in the gym, start running, be a better dad, you know? And It's it, that daily yes, work. The, it, the, money, the money is not coming in as much as it was last year. It will happen. Yep. You know, and if like you do the work. And like you happen. say, people will people will hear this and go, well, you have the luxury of doing that. Yeah. Well, I fucking worked my ass off That's to get right. there. You know, That's sorry, right. I did. OK, That's right. if you're going to sit there and judge me because I worked my ass off to get where I'm at. I feel that, you know, it just is what it is. Way. But the thing of it is, is that's affording you I the reality it. of being like, check, hold on. I'm also in a situation to where I'm not thinking about myself. That's right. At all. That's exactly Too right. much self is Too bad. Too much. Not enough self. That's exactly also it. Also equally it's, it's, is bad. It, that's all of that. Yeah. Like that's exactly what I always say when I, when I started the preface by there's a little bit of truth to everything and a little bit of falsehood to everything. There's good and there's bad and all of that. And, you know, not everything is is as straightforward as it seems. And, and I mean, gosh, like you can go off the rails so easy by – that's why I find it so important to read every day. This is the book I'm reading right now, The 48 reading. Laws of Power. It's an incredible Ooh. book. That sucker. There's a reason that uh, some of a bitch isn't allowed yeah. in in prisons and things like that. Because yeah. there is some yeah. this thing's powerful. But I I read every day. Yeah. And if I don't wake up in gratitude every morning and the first thing I do every day is put on either a positive podcast, hardcore closer, Ryan Stuman, or or good songs, like I posted this morning, was rocking before I got into this podcast. Um, I mean, I'm telling you what, like, if you don't do that daily work, I read the same, some of the same books every year. I read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read, um, it doesn't matter. I, I could, if anyone wants a list of great books, I, I can give you one. But there's certain books that I read every year, not because I'm going to learn mm -hmm. something new, but because if I don't keep that shit in forefront of my mind, if I fall out of scope with my life and, 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 and things get out of balance, like doing 711 inspections, mm -hmm. then all of these other things suffer and I end up worse off than that one pinnacle rises, but all the other bars fall. Sure. And I want them all to be nice and level. Yep. And, you know, there's those key, you know, that's what this hat stands for. Fuck your excuses, man. Like get up in the morning, go do what you need to do. But at, at some point, if you're not always reflecting and always doing the work, I'm not drinking a gallon of water a day and working out every day, then I will fall into a zone where I start to feel like shit. And then everything slides so quickly Yeah, and you could fall. I mean, mental health, mental illness is such a huge thing. And for me, one of the most important now, especially um, like it, it means something and it is a huge problem in our society. And the, the way out of it mm -hmm. is finding what works Doing 1% shifts every day. Like if you shoot, you know, you point at a star and you do 1% shift after light year, you know how far away you're going to be. Sure. So do the consistent work every day. Um, make 1% shifts to better yourself. That's all I focus about. I try really hard not to focus on my competitors or my, all of the, I try to just, I'm competing against me every morning. I want to better myself a little bit every day. And if I don't do that consistent work, I'm going to fall out of the, out of scope and get wobbly and wobsided and shit will go bad before I even know it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you wake up one day feeling like a Peter piece of shit. Look, the Peter principle is real. We all rise to our own level of incompetence. And at some point, if we don't learn to always reflect and constantly be tweaking and, 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 and 
seeing where we're going and doing the work every day, you'll find yourself so incompetent and all of a sudden, and then you, and then now you're in a hole that's so hard to get out of that it seems impossible. And that's why people fall to mental Ill, Ill, illness and those kind of things, because it then just becomes so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the key to it is just do the daily work and you won't see the results right now. And you're not going to see yourself get huge today. And you're not going to have a successful business overnight. No one's an overnight, overnight success, but they'll look at me and think, Oh, you're, you, I see your house in Edgemont, you're driving a Raptor. You it must be nice. Like, yeah. you know, fuck yeah. you. I worked my ass off for it. Nothing was overnight success, but, but it's all those things that got me there was constant self-reflection. I mean, I honestly, if I'm honest with myself, I owe several people in this industry, a, a pretty big apology, Lois Sermi and um, Chris Betton, if I could, if, you know, um, so many people that I have, uh, Amanda Erickson, I apologize to you people so hard if I could in, it just explain my heart to you that I, I got out of sync. I got passionate about pursuing something that I'm not a good politician about and didn't understand fully the scope of super key problem. Everybody knows me knows I talk about it all the time. But I get so out of scope and out of what I know is what I want to be that then you lash out at people that are the sweetest people on earth like Lois and, and, and you just go, what, who have I become sure. in the, in the pursuit of trying to be right or trying to do something with well intentions. I got so far out of the scope of what the reality of it was that now I'm looking at this tree and I forgot the forest existed and I, and, and you burn it all down. Sure. Yeah. The thing of it is though, is, uh, we're all fucking humans. Well, that's the thing. You know, and I said I, it. I say this so many. We're we're not infallible. No, we're not. You know, and we make mistakes. Some of those mistakes can never be forgiven, and likely. However, that but... person perceived that mistake, but the the reality of it is, is it was a mistake, and and hopefully, as I as I try and better myself, the mistakes that we inevitably make and will continue to make, hopefully they don't have a long-standing impact on somebody negatively well yeah right? that's, that's all that's that you right. can hope for cody that's right it's like you know lois is a sweetheart but if she never forgives you that's okay because yeah, you're right. just a person yep you know and i put i created that so it's the bet i yeah, made yeah for sure <laughs> but what you can just hope for is that hopefully whatever transpired between you guys she doesn't carry every single day with her right and yeah. that, that's all you can do. People only remember you, the way they make you feel. And I know that in those cases. If you sit you on that short. situation, if you sit on that negative energy, what what are you doing? How much are you hurting the positive? You make mistakes, man. Well, you, yeah. you might have hurt somebody's feelings. You might have tarnished a relationship. But reflecting on on that that mistake you made can have such a huge impact in the negative manner going forward. Well, yeah, you so got like, to be able to Sometimes you have to too. just say I made a mistake. I'm a human. I'm sorry. And yep. you just said it publicly. That's right. You're sorry. Move on because the good that you could do, get past that sorry, mm -hmm. can have so much more of a profound impact than dwelling on the past. Yep. We're human beings. And you can't control whether somebody dislikes you, likes you, hates you. That's it's my like favorite all you can, saying. can do is just, I got me. That's right. And that's all I can worry about, right? It's one of my favorite sayings is people are going to like you or hate you despite what you do. Yeah. So why live your life in fear of that or trying to manipulate that? It's going to happen regardless. Yes. So just be who you are. Yeah, exactly. And so. that's what I strive to be. And it's, it doesn't always work for the best or, you know, love me or hate me. I mean, I am what I am and it's, 
it's it's good and bad. I'm I'm both. I'm duplicitous. I'm multiplicitous. I'm I'm good in the good situations and strive to be, and I fall short. And I, you know, I mean, I'm all those things. But who isn't? Yeah, I was going to say nobody's perfect. <laughs> no, and you got to learn to give yourself grace and apologize. Yeah. You know, and let and that's yeah. that's that's part of that doing the work. I mean, one of the best books I've ever written is called um, "Loving What Is" by Byron Katie. And it's literally like if you've ever gone through something really tough in your life, go buy that fucking book right now. Yeah. Shit, man. If you can't afford it, call me and I will fucking deliver it to you. I will pay for it. I don't care who you are. You've never met me. Don't care. The best book because essentially it's learning and she calls it doing the work too, but it's learning to ask yourself like two or three simple questions in every situation you arise mm -hmm. to understand like to learn how to love what is. I mean, I don't care what happened to you. You could think of the most horrible stories, but there is a way out of that. You can rewrite that story and you can love what that is for mm. what it is. I mean, it's very hard to unpack in a context like this because you could think of these probably horrible stories and people are like, what are you talking about? Like that, nothing is good about A, B, C, or D example. But you know what? You sit down and we unpack that through doing the work yeah. of the, what that book talks about, and I can prove to you that you're you're probably wrong on every case. That there is, you can love what is, you can find ways to live with really horrible things, and still see the beauty in life. And if you lose sight of that, mm -hmm. then there, there's there's beauty in everywhere you look, even in the ugly. Yeah, because again, it, it's it's. It's a it's a it's a wonderful thing this human life and it never ends until it ends. Yeah. And you're never going to arrive somewhere until you get there. So I was just reading something I forget where it was, but it was like only the dead get to be perceived as perfect. At the end of the day, while you're alive, like you better keep work, working and waking up and working at it cuz Today, it's what we call the force of average is coming for you. No matter where you get to, the force of averages is going to try to pull you down. It's mm. the crabs in a bucket theory. A hundred crabs in a bucket and you're trying to get out of that bucket, they're going to rip your fucking claws off to try to keep you in that bucket. Yeah. You know, and, and when you're on a journey of self, uh, uh, um, uh, trying to better yourself, most people aren't going to respond well to that. I'll just tell you right now, like it's not always... People don't necessarily love to see someone improving themselves. I don't drink anymore. My alcoholic drink, my buddies that used to drink with me, and I have zero, like, I, I wanted to ask you if you've ever tried the peanut butter whiskey yet, because it is <laughs> fucking delicious, by the way. But um, at any rate, um, like, I'm not going to judge based on that or any of those things. Like, I just... No, I forgot where I was going to say because I threw myself off with the whiskey thing. But at yeah. any rate, like it's you, you just, don't drink anymore. Your buddies, uh, the buddies that you used to drink with. Yeah, like I don't. I don't want them to not want to hang out with me anymore. But you know what they do. Yeah. Like now, because I'm bettering myself, whatever that is, if it exposes their own negative, sure. or if it, um, you know, they. Not everybody wants to see who's see you win, and that's that's how I delineate between who's really on my team and who's not, because if they're not clapping for you at your wins, yeah. then they're not your friends. And they're, and they're, and family is a big one of those. Sure. Yeah. Not everyone in your family is going to be stoked that you're doing well. Mm. I mean, I, I have an exceedingly high an embarrassingly high IQ. Mm. Um, and I only bring that up not to brag or any way or boast in any way. Cause quite frankly, it's a source of continual struggle for me. And something that I fight with all the time is that 
I should be maybe doing more with what I've been given Mm -hmm. or, you know, ignorance is bliss. So living in a head that is constantly churning and, you know, the more you see, the more you highlight the deficiencies. So the more I learn about communication, the more it isolates me because I know that most people probably aren't going to receive. So it's like learning is not knowing more like being smart, whatever it doesn't, it's not always a wonderful thing. In fact, when I was telling you earlier that, this podcast has opened my eyes to something that for years I've been trying to figure out. And I swear a lot and I try to sound, it, it makes you sound dumb. And I've, I've, I've abused myself through the years with alcohol and drugs. And I know why I've done that. I've for years been trying to figure out like most people that have alcoholic tendencies have a reason, like they have a traumatic experience. And I mean, my brother stole an airplane in the nineties and was on CNN national news. And I learned that I had a 16 year old at 16 years old. I learned that I had a sister and all these things that I guess I could say were traumatic at those times, but really not so much. So to drive to, to, to manifest like why I am the way I am. And I've learned that I've been, nobody likes to be in a room with someone that's smarter than them and and all of that. And for years, even in high school, I was always just like, that. So I learned to just abuse myself with drugs and alcohol and try to force myself to sound as stupid and fucked up by saying shit like that. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So that I wouldn't sound so smart. Mm -hmm. Like I've intentionally been doing that my whole life and I never really realized it until doing this podcast. And for the reasons I could go into, it's not necessarily important, but the reality (laughs) is, is that I'm so grateful already for this experience because it opened my eyes to that. Yeah. Which I, is huge for me. This should this should never be a fear of being the smartest person in the room. The the the, the people that don't want to sit in that room, right? Because you're smarter than them. They're they're the ones. I wouldn't say that they have a problem, right? But they're the but ones. But it is their problem. It, it is problem. It is it. their problem. But they they are are the people that are insecure, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I learned long ago. You know, I, I sat in this, uh, you know, I've talked about him a couple of times. His name is Don Bassnett. He owned a, at that time, um, he owned this company called Pyramid Corporation. And that was the U.S. branch term, right? It was a Canadian-based company. But he had built it. He bought his old boss out of bankruptcy for $35,000. Had two guys in a couple of trucks. He built that into a $1.2 billion company, multinational. Yeah. I watched him sit in meetings Come in, denim pants, white shirt, sports coat, and not say a word. Not say a fucking word. Let whoever thinks they're the smartest person in the room talk. And he had this like weird, unwavering ability to like pick out truly who was the most knowledgeable. And it's I watched usually him, the quiet one. In the I room. watched him <laughs> at a meeting. We he went in there. With, you know, and I, I, I've said this in the past, maybe not on the podcast, but I, I always say, like, he went in with the double bag of money ready to buy this company, right? And we were trying to buy this uh, UL-listed panel shop out of Albuquerque. And we wanted it for oil and gas, but also they had huge contracts, national contracts, government contracts. And, you know, Don could have bought this guy's company 10 times over, like easily. And so he let this guy who was very knowledgeable and intelligent in his own right, in his lane, but was not the guy that was best suited to be running this company. And it was clear and it was obvious. And yep. the numbers said that. The Peter guy Christ that was <laughs> the, the guy that was the one to be running the company was the one 
that maybe thought he was too smart for the room and just remained quiet. We're sitting there, spiel's going on, ba ba You know, this guy's like, I, I'm this and I've done this and my, my name's on the door. And yeah, congratulations. Don taps me and we walk outside. And this guy's, what's, what's going on? He's like, doesn't say anything. We go outside and he's like, deals off. And I was like, what's, what do you mean? He's like, that guy started the company. Sure. He ran it. His name's on the fucking door. If he's a part of the company that I'm trying to buy, the deal's off. You know, this is, he's going to buy this guy for $30 million today. And he's like, deal's off. And I'm, I won't say his name. I won't say his company. He's like, either he resigns now or yeah. the day after I buy it or we're out. And I was like, well, who's the guy running the company? He's like the guy in the corner. And I'm like, okay. You know? And so we go back in and basically we say that the, it's so hard for me not to say this guy's name, but oh, this gentleman, I, the gentleman leaves the room. I do the same he thing. He leaves the room and, and was we asked, he said, can we, can we have a few moments just to talk to some of your, you know, not chief of staff, but like some, you know, so the head honcho leaves the room and Don just says, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I, I'm just doing my job. I'm not doing, you know, and he's like, why don't you come work for me now? Yeah. Like, he's like, you, you'll never shine. You will never, until he is out of your way. Right. He's like, you're the mind behind this entire thing. And you know that, right? And he was like, yeah, but in his mind, he's going, if I say that, then I'm the dickhead. I'm the asshole, right. you know, with all the bad words in the room that are going around. And it's like, but but Don had a way of just truly reading people and seeing right through the bullshit, yep. you know? And I, I don't think that that gentleman ever did. But but going back to your comment of like the smartest person in the room is never the person, not never, you know, you can have the person talking, but the person that wants to be talking Mm-hmm. You should be questioning that That's always, right. absolutely, because it's, the, as the greatest say, companies it's, it's in the world, the greatest, one the the greatest companies in the world, are the ones ran by the person that's not that smart, but that surrounds himself with, with people, people that far are smarter. That's where that's that Peter in so many comes business in. books it's, and yep. and practicality. Yes, yes, those are the small people. businesses fail because they don't know when to let go. Yeah, and I. I've experienced that in my own business, and now I've found myself more like Maverick in the movie Maverick. Like, I'm happy to not be growing and expanding because mm. I've been down that road. I've trained my competition. I've had guys leave me after being with me for six weeks, and now are out there competing against me with everything that I told them that makes me special and mm-hmm. unique. I've, I've, I've had teams of guys on my team, and you learn that the bigger problems, more money, more problems, like all of that, and... I've gone that road of if you're not growing or scaling, then I've I've lived that like go mentality of like mastermind groups and hey, if you're not, you know, lurking to drive a McLaren, then you're a piece of shit. And I step back and go, you know what, there's some good to that, but there's a point at which I don't need all that. Sure. Yeah. And I don't want to scale to where I've got multiple inspectors anymore because I've seen what that looks like. I mean, if you got two guys in a home. And I mean, there's times where I can look at a home and like, I'll be explaining something to a client and then I'll go and go to the attic and be like, you know what? We wasted that whole 20 minutes. Now that I've seen the whole scope of the home, it's actually something far different than I've thought. So the growing and scaling and all that, like it just, I don't know. I'm happy to be right where I'm at and I don't need to push it any further or grow anymore, but I do still continually want to grow in other ways, like I'm more than just a home inspector. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can do a heck of a lot of other things. And, you know, at this point in time, it's the, 
it's the give back stage of like, you know, I'm a, I've, I started a hundred dollar club uh, where we all get together and I don't advertise it a lot because I want it to be kind of a, a exclusive thing. But Justin Osborne always is a good buddy of mine that will support me in anything. I was in Rotary with him. He's been at one of these with me and, you know, just things like that that I think are far more important. Like you go and instead of a BNI group where you pay dues to the group, like everyone pays $100 to come have dinner and, and mastermind together. And all of that goes to the server. Yeah. And I have never had better conversations than in that. Sure. As yeah. far as business um, than in that context. And those are the things that I want to focus my time on now. Cause now I know that I'm a good inspector. I've learned what I need to learn. I'm continually learning on that, doing continual education, all that aside. That's not the point, but I'm just, I'm at that point now where there's far bigger things than the making of money that are, that serve you so much more and pay you a paycheck that's far more valuable. It's hard for a lot of people to look at that. And we did, we did, uh, we got a lot of backlash on, on, on Carrie's episode for some things that she said. And that's it goes interesting back to, that to me because I loved her. She's like minded kindred spirits. In fact, Carrie, if you're listening, <laughs> I'd love to be on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it, it goes back to your comment of like, probably gonna blast if somebody's struggling, if, if somebody, they can't, they can't see it. And not everybody's afforded the opportunity. You know, I've heard people say like, oh, depression's a luxury. Depending on your walk of life, maybe it is. You know, I, I, I can't say that. Like if you don't, you know, if you're in an opportunity in life where you can't afford to be depressed, quote unquote, and that's a horrible term, doesn't mean that the depression still isn't there. You're oh, just yeah. looking the other way. That's right. And the way I look at that now is like, you know, I mean, for, for some reason, it's been this like common vein on this show that... You know, it's, it's, it's a real deal, man. Like people can get depressed whether they want mm -hmm. to or not. They can be the best person in the world, but you know, it's, it's I, huge right now. Yeah, it, is, it is huge. Um, but if you can't afford to be depressed because you don't have that luxury in life, then maybe you need to kind of look at the life you're living. Well, that's you know? exactly right. And, and I, I, I should well, say, true, I don't want, I don't want people to put themselves into a situation where all of a sudden they can't go, Oh, well I'm depressed. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Whether you have the affordability of being depressed or not, that does not mean that you can't also still have depression. That's right. You know, or that you can't have some type of mental health disorder, you How know, many and, famous and, you, and successful people we've seen examples of where they've lost, you know, their, to, their lives to depression. I yeah. mean, it's, it happens to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. No matter what your financial, socioeconomic, spiritual situation is, that hey, we're all vulnerable to this. And whatever it is in our today's society that is causing it to be either more widely recognized or that it's actually happening on a higher frequency, that's impossible to delineate. But at the end of the day, like we know that this is a major issue. Yeah. And everybody deals with it. I don't care who you are. I think are. it's if happening. You're, you know, you're lying some, if you're not. Like, yeah, uh, I had some folks on, and I asked that question: Do you think we have more depression now, or do we have it back then? And, and their answer was, "Well, you know, we can't speak to back in the '40s, but I think it was always there. People just didn't say it." I actually disagree with that comment, I, I and think I think I that too. we have more now because of the situation. I think we do too. There's a lot of great studies out there, and you can go down a YouTube rabbit hole or a book, you know, hole, but like it being in front of that screen and that like Fucking false man. identity that you think you have or that you've built up or trying to get to whatever that yes. is on the other side of that void, right? That, that has a negative. It goes back to the earlier, this, the, the, the situation like with the, uh, with the, the porn industry, yep. you know, they're making drastic changes. I think I just heard the other day, like seven, seven states now are requiring, um, ID, 
uh, to actually be able to log into That's a, a pornographic website. Fantastic. And then you've got the one caveat <laughs> of that side where they're going, well, now they're going to have URD. You're like, okay. But what they're trying to do- At least they're do, trying to do like, something. Yeah. They, 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 we, the talk, the talk about time. the damage that pornographic material is having on the younger generation well, going it's forward- it, beyond. It's, it's becoming more prevalent. I think it's the biggest problem right? there is, and nobody yeah, talks about yeah. it. Yeah. But the, it goes back to like, there, there's things in this life, right? Like we- we have money. We have this, right? We're not constantly thinking of hunting and gathering. That's not the only thing in our That's in right. our purview, right? We're not focused fact, the on opposite to, right now yeah. more than anything. No one wants we a big home. They don't yeah. want that career job. We have the luxury of going. What are we going to do next summer? You know, or, or like in these thoughts, like we we don't have to think about like. Holy shit, are you, Cody, going to invade my house and kill me? Right. Do I need to prepare? Is this gigantic mountain lion going to, you know, like we have these luxuries that we've built up to where we're, we're not constantly have to worry about the here and the now. Yeah. And that has changed, I think, our the, the way that our brains perceive. The pursuit of comfort. Yes. And so I, I truly disagree with that statement. I think that we have more depression right now that is that is coming to the surface. Maybe that's been over the advent of social media. I can't define that, right? There's a ton of studies out there. I promise you that's a big factor. I, I, I truly I mean, believe that. I think that it, there, it, there's it, a reason that no uh, anybody who's a, a CEO or in, largely in charge of social media, all of them do not let their children on those platforms. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. There's I think a reason that, for that. Yes. Because yes. they know the effects. And so that's a that's a massive piece of it. It's not the whole picture, but I assure you that's a contributing yeah. factor in a yeah, big way. Yeah, for sure. But the, the, I've seen the backside of it. I know what. Yeah. But the cold reality, back back to the situation of, of the, the depression or the mental health thing, whether that's become more prevalent in today's society, which I, I do, again, I think that it has. Now, let's say that's over the last two or three or five years, people are starting to talk about it, right? You know, public figures are coming about like they're they're becoming more open and honest about yeah. it. But the 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 thing that kills me, and I mean, you know, uh, like Rogan is such a huge advocate advocate for this, and like um, you know, uh, just so many other individuals, and, and people get burnt out on it because it, it's like it's always labeled as like, oh, you're a jock or you're this, and then you've yeah. got every fucking influencer. Um, on Instagram and Facebook being like, oh, buy my water cooler or buy yeah, this or yeah. work out this. But if you go back to your comments, like we got to put in the work. That's it right. doesn't matter the result tomorrow or the next day or after Absolutely. that. It's like, I promise you. If you focus on that, you'll lose. If you you'll if you out. just get up and go. And it doesn't, it doesn't always even have to be like, I'm going to be there at seven. Just, yeah. I'm going to go at some point today. Imperfect action. I'm going to take yes, imperfect yes, action. Just do something. And That's I, right. I am a big proponent of working out. I mean, and that is, that, I am now. That <laughs> varies. That varies between yeah. people. Like some people, you know, they want to do the barbells or some people want to run. I, I, I promise you to anybody that is listening to this, if you just get up and start again, Yep. Especially if at one point in your time you were very healthy and you've all of a sudden yep. you've realized like I'm so focused on work and life and I have let myself go. If you just make it a promise to yourself so you don't let yourself down. Yep. Get up and That's do exactly something. Right. Compete against it doesn't me. matter whether it's a walk for a mile or two yep. miles or go do this or something, right? Like I was I had this we played music this weekend. For some reason, like I think I had something like maybe a little cold or something, but it that's such a stressful in a weird way, like we're, we're cramming six months of music in two 12 hour days and we're in front of the mic and we're, I mean, we're, we're, it's nonstop and we're Pressure. there until midnight yeah. each day. Yeah. And I think whatever that was, it just, man, so I woke up and I just, I had something kind of lingering. And so I didn't go to the gym for 
uh, Saturday, Sunday. What's today? Wednesday. I yep. went Monday to the sauna. I didn't go. To, so anyway, of the last five days, I've gone now two. I go to the gym every single day to do something. If I can't get to the gym, I'm running anymore, right? Because yep. I have to get that blood flow and that. I need to feel alive. Yep. And so I went today and I hopped on the machine. Something is still in the lungs or just the fact that I haven't ran in five days. I do. It starts to hurt. I'm running. I get to three miles. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a kettlebell workout. I get into the sauna and I'm like, all right, here we go. Here's when the shitty part starts. Let's go. My wife calls me. For some reason, my phone's actually working. And I'm like, hey, what's, she's like, I'm just calling check on you. How you feeling? I was like, I feel fucking electric. Yeah. I was like, I am so, if I could get out of this hellhole of a sauna right now and go talk to Cody, I am so ready for this conversation. Because yep. I was like, I, I feel, felt that way this morning I too. Because I did the same amazing. thing. I went and worked out. I listened to good music. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, and, it's and like, yesterday I didn't do that because I was in a rush to get out and I had a shitty day yesterday. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how those little things, like when I used to smoke cigarettes years ago, many, many years ago, I quit and nothing wonderful or or crazy happened. But then three months later I had one cigarette and it made me feel like such shit that it was that one cigarette that I was like, I'm so thankful for that cigarette because now I have the the, the comparison of how <sighs> What was 20 of those making me feel yeah. like in a day? And so now I'm just like, oh, it's it's so good to have sometimes that that ability to see. So sometimes I love my failures in that regard because I'll go along and not do the work. And then if I don't one day, I'll see how that throws me off for three or four days. And yeah. it's like, what was the three years that I was doing? Mm -hmm. Nothing. No wonder I was in that <laughs> state of mind. Yeah. Like, well, now I if you... It, it, no matter where I am, if I – you couldn't pay me enough to not wake up in the morning and first thing I do is give gratitude for everything and anything and then try to do that positivity mindset right out of the gate because that's the most important thing to me now. Because yeah. if I don't do that and if I don't work out at least 45 minutes every day or t drink that gallon of water, 75 hard shit – mindset training if you're if i'm not doing that yeah. then i know for me that's what works for you it might be different for you it might be different but for but me it, this but is what to i got to the workout do. regimen it's i have to it's i just i want i want people any like seriously going back to it, anybody who's like potentially struggling or just doesn't feel right yep. you don't have to label it as depressed or anything cuz i i do you just think know that, you're off yes it's like you're off just because the way i look at it and and this is exacerbated by the sauna yeah. But and I talked about this on the last episode, but the sauna is an absolute hellhole. Mm -hmm. And I made the mistake of today. So I did today, I, I knew I was running short on time. So I did two 25 minute sessions with a cold plunge for three minutes in between and went back in. So, but the second session, I made a mistake because I was like, ah, oh, I feel like, and all of a sudden the audio blipped out on my headphones. And I'm like, what was that? And I looked at my watch. Oh, no. I'm at 22 minutes. That last three minutes was absolute hell. So, what did yeah. I do? I'm like, I can beat this. I can beat this moment in time. It's three minutes. It's nothing. So I hopped up and I hit the steam. I'm like, we're at 185. Fuck that. We're going to 193. Yep. Let's go. Yep. Because after you get out, it's like you have the ability in your brain to say, yep. look, I just personally put myself through absolute hell on purpose so that I can deal with any problems to come because I can't control anything outside of this flesh wall. Yep. Truly you can't. Your That's right. You know, your husband, your wife, your kids, it doesn't, yep. doesn't matter. You really don't have control over anything other than your two feet below you moving forward. Yep. But if you can create hell 
on purpose in your brain and show yourself definitively, I can beat this. Yep. You come out of that, I promise you, it's like you flip the light switch on and the rest of the day is just better. You may still have problems. Yep. You're still going to run into assholes or your boss is still going to be a but jerk. But you'll be more yes. prepared and equipped to deal with that. You can't control that. What you can control. That's and right. I think it's reminding yourself that you actually are capable. Yep. Capable. That's right. Capability of doing something that you don't want to do. Yep. Ed Millette, do yes. just one more. There's so many of those guys out there that yeah. are sending that message out because it's it's it. That's yeah. it. I mean it. And quit watching all the fake influencers. They're yeah. pretty for a reason. That's right. You know, find somebody that inspires you if that's what you need. Yep. That person that's real. And yes, they're still already in better shape than you are. Your job is not to be them. Your job is to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today. That's it. That's as that's simple as it is. That's all you can do. That's it. That's One simple. step at a time, right? Like the it's, rules. It's, we're working it's simple, on but the it's rules. not easy. It's but, not. But that's that's as, as easy, as simple as it gets. Like, yeah. take that imperfect action. Get up and do something because that one thing will lead to another, lead to another, and you build on it, and all of a sudden you've got the confidence back and everything flows. But, but, it, but if you misstep it, you... It's so easy to fall. But the workout thing, you know, because the for some strange reason, again, I just talked to a lot of people that are struggling with some type of offness or mental health. And I'm I'm a huge advocate of working out Me for too. some reason can help that. It's it hell really, for me. It really I, I hate it. Yeah. But it's David Goggins in my head going, what are you, you know, like. Fuck your excuses, yeah. bro. Get out there and who's just... gonna carry the boats? Yeah, I mean, you know <laughs> what I mean. But at it. the end of the day, yeah. I mean, that shit is real. And if it's it, again, it comes back to seeking comfort and how that's it's all opposite. Like, right? mm-hmm. I mean, everything is is opposite. It's like I'm trying to seek comfort, but how detrimental is that? Like, yeah. the force of average is gonna come for you, so be ready for it. And if all you've had is easy street, when the storm does come, you won't be ready for it. Yep. So yep. those storms, when they do come, you're ready. Like I'm. I, it's exactly what you just said. Like, if I don't prepare my mind in the morning, then I can be so easily kicked off my pedestal by the slightest thing that throws me off. I spilled coffee all over myself this morning, and that could have easily pissed me off and set me into a uh, into a mode, you know, about ready to sit down and everything. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like, dude, it is what it is. Like, yeah, it's coffee. <laughs> I mean, it, come you on, know? Like, yeah. So what? You know? I mean, yeah. Whatever. I you know I gotta. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, it's, yeah. you get so focused on the little things that don't matter that the big ones fall away. And it is the little things that matter. It isn't the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, uh, so Robert Greene wrote that. That's a great book, by the way. Incredible Bob. book. Um, he it's the also, 48 Laws of Power, if you don't. Yeah, sorry for the, yeah, for those, it's 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene. Um, have you read or listened to The 50th Law? No. Dude, so. I'm just getting through this one, and I was at Rule yeah. 2, and I was like, if yeah. that's not opposite, then I don't know what is. In fact, that's why I brought it in here in case yeah. I referenced it, but it's never put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use enemies. The last, the last thing saying, if you have no enemies... Find a way to make them. Yeah. I love that <laughs> shit. Like, are you kidding so, me? You got to unpack that and read the book yeah. to understand what they mean. But So Robert Greene uh, followed uh, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson, yep. right? So for favorites. a couple of years. And then a they, great book, too. They co-wrote The he 50th Law. Book. So if if you don't have the ability to get the book, I would say download the audio book because it's actually uh, it's read by, by 50 Cent, right? So it's in his voice. That's so I, I thought it was so, so different. Um, because he can articulate exactly 
what he's trying to say. You know, it's like, here's the story and it's in his voice and it just, it's awesome. You know, it just, it, it really is. It's just crazy that he, the way that he interacts with a lot of things, like, um, it almost makes you feel like nothing is without design. Yep. In a weird way. Right. And nothing is without design. But the, the, the great, one of the greater things that I, is that he is so regimented on everything purposefully. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it was a great All book. I mean, it's are. been years. It's been years since I, I read Jordan it or listened talks to it. But. About not, you know, they make fun of him because he go out on court and he's, you know, before a game running these simple maniacal drills that everyone's like, dude, you're the best. Well, you're out here running these drills. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? It's like, well, that's why I am. Yeah. yeah that's why I'm the greatest. I mean, I do the little things consistently and I never compromise them. And that's yeah. what drives you to that greatness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird on this. Like, so I, when I first started this podcast, you know, it was like, you're curious, like, how do I sound on the mic? And how do I? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whatever. And you go back and listen, you're like, oh, that's terrible. But I'm then sure I, I kind of had a listening to myself, a, a bitch. <laughs> Of a, a an episode, and I I so I think I was coming off like COVID or something. I had two interviews back to back, and I just walked away from the interview being like, God, I should have rescheduled that. I just I don't feel like I gave enough to the guest. I don't feel like I gave enough to the audience. And I almost called him, but like, do you guys want to re-record it? Um, but I instead of doing that, I was like, I listened to it. I was like, you know, it's okay. It's not the best by any means. At that moment, that was like episode five, six, maybe. I became a student of this craft. Yeah. And it's hard at times because you you listen to certain people and and inevitably, like we as human beings, we kind of like almost emulate certain things that they're doing. And so that's hard. You got to get past it. But yep. I try and listen back to these podcasts. And instead of like listening to the performance, the performance is fine if you want to listen to how you sound and how you do this. But I'm trying to listen to the movement. Yeah. You know, and I talked about it with Eric. There there there's this like episode that I heard a while ago and it and it's a dance. It's I you know, and so going back to like the the greats like y- you have to be a student of your craft, right? That's you right. have to be always going. You always. also have to be regimented with what you're doing. And so right. now I release these episodes um, I purposely cut Otherwise, some of the smaller golfing. clips. Yeah. Do it right or do it. Yeah. Fuck off. I still like golf. Maybe we could do that well, summer. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, but I do, I, I'm not listening to this to get enjoyment. I'm, I'm listening yeah. to this to get better at it because I owe you a yep. better version yep. of your story. I do I owe, it all, I do I it all the, the time. I, it, I, that's why, like I said before this, I, you know, I post all my shit on social media and I think I am who I am. And then a case like this comes and it's like, you know what, Kyle and I don't know each other that well. He's probably going to look at my Facebook. So then I go and look at my own Facebook through your eyes. Yeah. And I see myself differently all of a sure. sudden. And then I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, how am I representing myself that I normally don't think? But now if someone's going to be scrutinizing certain things, like I I just think there's so much value in that constant. Like Leo Tolstoy talks about it. Uh, Albert Einstein talks about it. Like, never stop searching. Those were the last words Leo yeah. Tolstoy said yeah. before he died. Never stop searching. Yeah. And I couldn't be a bigger fan of that for better or worse. Like I could go on a podcast like this and it might cost me business because someone's going to be pissed off. Maybe, maybe I'll gain business from it. Maybe either way, I just need to step out of my comfort zone regardless. And not really like my wife and I talked about this so much before coming on here. Like it can be very challenging to be a leader and call out some of the things that make our industry different or unique or challenging or some of those problems, or they can sound like they're, accusatory when really it's about, Hey, let's elevate each other. Sure. You know, so if you take it as I'm being, you know, judgmental to you by anything I said, 
then you miss the point because it's not that. It's about yeah. elevating everybody and working together in that dance. The life is a concert and it can either be very tribalistic and us versus them like Carrie talked about, or it can be like, despite everything you're doing, I cannot agree with a lot of what you do, but I can live in harmony with you. It's sure. camper theory. Like we talk about um, in the Christian sense earlier, but it's, it's good camper theory. Like if tonight a bunch of people in my campsite next to me are partying and they're loud. I'm not going to go over there and be a Karen and yell at them and be like, ah, yeah, I'll just shut up because I know that now tomorrow morning when I get up early, I'll expect the same courtesy when I'm loud and having my morning routine and playing my music and they're hungover and tired. Like if you grant them be who you are mm-hmm. and it's all fine, then, then I would expect, then they'll grant me the same. So it's like, it kind of comes back to that pushing on the balloon and, and trying to legislate morality. There's so many examples of that through life that I just focus on that one, but it's like, can't we all just be good campers? Yeah. I mean, you do what you do. And like, you know, Christians, again, they'll, they'll look back at they, they right now. It seems to be the hot word that they're out against the gay and lesbian and all of that community, you know, and they probably are because they're out there as a moral authority saying, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. And that makes it like, I know better than you. Well, how are you ever going to appeal to those people or bring them to the, to a way where they um, evaluate their choices from mm-hmm. a perspective of neutrality and like, how can I better myself? Now it's just like, I'm pushing on the balloon. I'm going way over here. You're trying to make me this. I'm going to go over here even farther. Like, sure. just let people be. Yeah. And worry about yourself. The kingdom of God is within you. Mm-hmm. Worry about what you're doing and... Let everyone else just kind of roll. I mean, even when it affects you, like, I don't know. I mean, I I can do better. I can be better. I can ignore certain things like that. Some of what you're doing, even if it affects me, like, I'm still just worried about me. And if we lived like that as people, like, we wouldn't have most of the issues we have. And, of course, we're not solving the problems of the world today. And no one's going to – it's not like it's going to happen overnight or it ever even will. But I know that I can – if I want to change the world, I change myself. Yeah. Yep. Period. And then it all emulates from there. And if everyone wants to self-evaluate and get better, then we'll have a better world. But, you know, that's that's the message I think is so important. It's just like, look, dude, take don't eat don't expect to eat the elephant all in one bite. Yeah. Do the work every day, take imperfect action, and eventually you'll get better. I mean, no one's best at their first podcast, no one's best at their first inspection, no one's best at their first anything they do. But if you don't step out and actually do it, you'll never actually enjoy what being better at that is. And so give yourself some grace and take a step forward and move in the direction you want to go to. So it's all about mapping, right? Like if if I just live willy-nilly, you, you it's like you, you're in a void. You don't know. You're in a room with no sight. You don't know where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You don't know where that fucking exit is or anything else. But all you got to do in life, it's really not that hard, is you just go, okay, this is what I want to do, and this is where I am. And draw a map. I mean, that's it. Like, what does it take? Who do I have to become in order to achieve what that is? I want to rewrite my story. I'm not, I don't want to be afraid of snakes anymore. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to go about doing that? Well, I'm going to be in front of snakes more often, and yeah. all of a sudden I'll find out, like, holy shit, why I've been telling myself I was afraid of snakes these all these years, and really I'm not. Like, yeah. they're rad. I've been missing. I used to tell myself I I listen to anything but country music. Man, 
Chris Stapleton? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? I would have missed out on so much good music if I if I lived with that story that I told yeah. myself for so many years. Mm-hmm. Like, I missed out on a lot of great shit just yeah. by an ignorant, like, belief that I thought was fun to say to demean yeah. country listeners. Sure. You know, like, rap is better and heavy metal music. Like, you know, I was on Dead Tour. I'm such an unsuspecting Dead Tour guy to go on dead tour because i i was a metalhead i come to durango everyone's listening to grateful dead i was like these guys aren't even good yeah like the i i literally have 98 percent of every grateful dead song um set that has ever been played live on digital i i almost all of it like i literally have over 400 gigabytes of grateful dead music i have almost every single uh, a show that they ever played recorded live. And I can tell you that most of it's dog shit, <laughs> but you know what? I get what, yeah. what grateful dead's all about is like the first grateful dead show I ever went to was December 6, 1992 in, in Compton Terrace, Tempe, Arizona. And I've got a digital audio tape of that. And it's one of the most amazing, like live recordings I, I have. And it's not because it's amazing music, but they played the whole set first set, first dead show I ever went to. And they played the first set, and everything's groovy. It's, I mean, I could go listen to you. I'll, I'll go to any show. Like, yeah. I'll literally go. I, I give you so many examples. I went to see a band named Kitty, and they were this chick heavy metal band. I thought it was going to be absurd, and they're so rad. Yeah. Anyway, so I go to the, you know, the first. They play the first set, and it sucks. And and or it doesn't suck. It's just it is what it is. Second set, they come out, and they play this song. Here comes sunshine, and. It opens up like totally classic Grateful Dead. Like the audio's all messed up. It comes in after they're already in mid-chorus. Like it just sounds like dog shit. But I'm looking around and everyone's losing their minds. Like I've never seen before since or after. I'm a huge music fan. And I've my life is lit going to live shows. I've seen so many live shows. I've been to 133 Grateful Dead shows alone. And it was like, what is happening? Why is everyone losing their minds? Like I've never seen ever a crowd react so favorably. And weeks later, I go come to find out that what had happened is that they hadn't played that song. Here comes sunshine since 1974. Oh, wow. And so everybody just that knew, which apparently was everybody, they just lost it. And I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck is going on here? It's not that good. And oh, I just, and now I like I get the Grateful Dead so hard because of, now I love it just because of the nostalgia. I love their music, but at the end of the day, like I, if you said what's your favorite Grateful Dead song, gosh, I don't know. Kind of all suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know how or why I got onto the Grateful Dead, but I mean, it's just it's so funny to me. Like, life is just such a ball of experiences, and I'll give you an example of an experience that this right here, this. You don't know when you're, when you're truly affecting somebody. Um, these books right here are probably one of my most prized possessions in what life. Um, and and what this is is this this gal. So there's this lady uh, Sharon Wolf. Sharon and Don Wolf went to a church that I went to growing up in school in Lakewood, near Ken Carl Ranch. We we lived on the west side of Lakewood and. I always thought it was rad because, you know, Ken Carl's where all these super rich people are living. And so a lot of the Denver Broncos went to our church and whatever. Anyway, Don and Sharon Wolf, Sharon died. And I didn't really know them. They were my parents' friends. And, you know, I they gave me a – Don gave me a 
set of knives for our wedding. I don't know why I remember that. I just thought it was kind of weird that someone would give knives for a wedding. But anyway, <laughs> that's about all I knew of Dawn and Sharon Wolf. And at her funeral, she gave these away. And I wasn't at the funeral. I didn't even know about it until a couple of years later. And my mom gave me these. And here, if you ask me, these are the three best Christian writers that exist. It's Oz Guinness. Oz Guinness he wrote, he's the Guinness beer guy. Leo Tolstoy and Blaise Pascal. She changed my life forever with these three books. And she'll never know it. Oh, yeah. shit, she's dead before. I mean, you know, she'll never know it. But I have, these are the best three books I've ever owned. And the reason why is because these, I think they're the three best Christian writers of all time. And, it, and, and precisely because they are anti-Christian in some sense. Like they all went out to... Um, to prove, like C.S. Lewis, they all went out to prove Christianity wrong and became the biggest apologists. Sure. Um, and and so what they do is they, the reason I like them is because they're not just your typical like Bible thumping, believe it and just believe it, shove it down your throat and that's the way it is. Like these guys all questioned the church and convicted them like, what do you think about what you're doing is Christian? You know, like mm -hmm. the, the non-resistance, like we should be living by non-resisting evil instead of the opposite. Cause it's not going to make it go away. It's just going to give it more credence, mm -hmm. live by example. So those are those things like, so my point of that was just to say, and it's so random, I'm getting just to where I've got no, no linearity now to what I'm saying. But to me, it was like, it was making the point of how you can impact someone and not even know it sure. in such a profound way. And so I just always think like what you say matters, what you do matters. And so you have to just prepare every day to try to be the best version of yourself best that you can yourself, be. Yeah. That impact so is huge. You know, the gentleman who's, I had him on the show, Eric Nelson. Uh, he's a great friend. And, uh, you know, his, his mother was a teacher and she, in some which way, like ignited the art side of my brain by telling me to chase after this little fun passion of writing this book, you know, yeah. it was like a murder series and I was trying to write it in high school and, you know, it ended up basically being the essential of uh, plagiarizing the Prey series by John Sanford. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> you know, couldn't do that. Uh, but, but the long story short is that she was the one random teacher that was like, what are you working on? I was like, ah, I'm just working on this book. She read it. She's like, oh, I need some work. And then every once in a while she'd check in and I never ended up finishing the book, but I, what I told him in that episode was like that, that sliver that I know with absolute doubt that your mom does not remember yep. had such a profound impact on me as a person. Yep. And it sent me down this creative, it's like unlocked it for a second. Yeah. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my friends. You Eric know, I was like, you know, it was like one of those things of like, just, hey, this is totally random. And like you say, like, she doesn't know you. She gave you these books. Yeah, she has no, idea. no clue. No idea. Tish Nelson doesn't remember that conversation guaranteed. But yeah. the impact that it had on me as a person. that cha <sighs> This changed my life forever. And it's the reason I own my spirituality because I... I know now what it means to me. Yeah. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been personal to me had I not come across this. Like most people get very anti church for good reason. Mm -hmm. it's, it's evil. It's straight up. The, the religion of the world is evil. 
It is not the way it is designed. There is nothing about our current church that is that is the way in which it was meant to be. If you really look at and are open to studying the way in which the original founders of the church meant it to be, and it is zero resemblance today in the way in which it's supposed to be. So, of course, we're turning away more people than we're attracting as Christians. And, you know, it's, it, I mean, if it, speak for myself, but, you know, that's, that's, it's those things that it's the constant evaluation of where we are that has to be part of that work or you will, you just, it's, it, it, it's so crucial to me that it's the most important thing to me hmm. in life is that I'm constantly evaluating and, and measuring against myself where I'm at and doing that almost on a daily basis and having that roadmap of to where I want to be and making sure I'm still on the road. Cause I mean, it's so easy to get off the path and then you're out without a light. You don't know where the hell you are, what's going on. And it's hard to get back then. It's a lot easier to maintain where you are than to lose it and try to build it sure. back. Like checking in with yourself. Oh, it just, it's so important to me. It's the main, it's, a, it's really the true focus I've been on a mission for, for the majority of my life and, and not there yet. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. But the thing of it is, is this work. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it is. And like, it's never fun. But, you know, every time I go mountain biking or I go to the gym or I do something that I truly loathe doing, it's not wonderful. There's never been one time that I've been in the gym and been like, you know, I would, I, I, I shouldn't have come. Yeah. Never. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm always like, fuck yeah, man, I feel a lot better. I'm so yeah. glad I did this. Afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. But, you know, you have to you have to know that that's, you know, just like you talk about with the sauna. Like, I know it's going to suck, but you know what? If I don't power through it, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can all just sit here and just get complacent and try to live, uh, die a comfortable life. But, you know, that's no fun. Most people don't ever live a true life, I think. Sure. I think that's the sad reality is that we all have these quiet lives of desperation. And it's yet you find uh, redemption on the other side of what's uncomfortable. Well, Cody, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Oh, you bet. Uh, anytime. I'm happy to do it and honored to be here, honestly. I, I, I love what you're about. I've, I've listened to a lot of these, and that's why I asked you to be on it because I feel like I align with where you want this to be, and it makes sense to me. Like, it's not just – it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's it's. I'll put it to you this way. I value conversations like this so much, and they're so rare. How many times do you just sit down and actually talk about life in a non-judgmental, non-persuasive um, rhetoric kind of a way? It's very rare. Sure. So for me, I just, I value them and I seek them out and they're hard to come by. And, you know, you try to get into a conversation with someone and inevitably that defaults back to that same tribalism and then you just go, oh, fuck this. Man. this is yeah. not, no, one's, <laughs> no one's trying to to accomplish any learning or anything now it's just a pissing for distance and i'm not about that so anyway i appreciate so much um for the honor to be here and uh you know hopefully it's it's useful to someone hopefully i didn't piss anyone off if i did you know that's your problem yeah <laughs> if we did you had plenty of time to click away you feel free to call me and we can discuss it because you know I, yeah. I, I i'll tell you right now i know that i'm not always right and that's why sure. i know that i can learn yeah that's why i know i can progress einstein wasn't smart because he knew he knew everything yeah. he was smart because that man knew nothing sure yeah well i mean to go back just just briefly i mean 
it it is work, right? So it the is. conversation we had today, you know, that doesn't this isn't rooted. You yep. know, I mean, you, you could be completely different in six months. Yeah, you know, that's, that's I hope I am. That's that's I hope the thing is like what you say today can have value and add value, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those are always going to be your beliefs. So if somebody disbelieves that's with right. what you say, instead of coming into a conversation with ammo and trying to come in and, you know, sway your opinion. Me. Yeah. Come into that conversation open and yeah. just be like, let me hear your side. Yeah, like, that's right. Cause yeah. you know what? You're right. I might be wrong. And if you allow me to hear your version and yeah. tell me why I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the kind of guy who's not going to knee jerk react and be like, Hey, you're challenging my, sure. my ego, you know, blow. Right. Like, no, I'm going to sit and the best thing I can do is listen. That's a hard thing for me. And it's a, it's a good thing to get, get into practice. Cause you only learn when you listen. And so if there is someone that's like, Hey man, I think what you said was fucked up. You know what, bro? Call me up. Sure. I, cause I, I, I'm not going to argue with you or be upset about it, but I will try to learn from you because sure. I know that mm-hmm. I can. And I know that if I don't try to do that, then again, give up and just go golfing. Cause if we're not really trying to do anything positive, then fuck it all. But I can tell you right now that I know that I will only be different if I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm probably wrong. And that's the only way to get better and actually truly know what's right. Yeah. And then, so I'm willing, very willing to have that conversation. And so it's always, so for me, it's always like, again, even with my clients, call me. If there's a discrepancy, let's have that conversation because it isn't going to, it doesn't have to divulge into what we always see online or on the news media. It doesn't have to be uh, an anger thing or a, a judgment thing. It's, you know, I'd studied under Cynthia Griffin and Sonia Foss, and they introduced a new method of communication called invitational rhetoric. And that's granting your imminent value that you have come to the conclusions in your life through probably good reasons. You're not batshit crazy on purpose. No one's out to be like, I want to think the most fucked up thing possible. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's trying to come to the, the best case scenario. And so if you allow and grant that eminent value that, you know what, they've, they, they might think diametrically opposite to me, but they do so for reasons that make sense to them. And maybe I can figure that out and learn it, if not more to understand you, but to understand me better, to understand my perspective better, because it doesn't exist without that opposition. Yeah. Yep. So mm. for me, I just, I love it. I love it all. And what I, I just, I, as far as conversations like this, and they're, they're just so rare. And I, I, anyone who ever just wanted to sit down and, you know, whatever, roll up a doobie and talk about just the most fucked up shit or anything, you name it, no subjects off the table. And I've probably learned something about them all because I just can't stop wanting to know about things. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's do it. If you do, you know, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you, my man. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Yep. Have you ever felt are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah.